Welcome to the Cashflow Guys radio show with your hosts, Tyler Chef and Leo Young. It's time to learn to earn. Welcome, everybody. Cashflow Guys podcast, episode four. This podcast is going to be a two-episode podcast. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about valuation. If you're going to sell your house by owner, how to do it, why to do it, what you need to look at, what you need to think about. So stay tuned. Leo and Tyler, the Cashflow Guys, are up next. Welcome, everyone. Cashflow Guys podcast, episode four. As Leo told you in our little intro there, today we're going to talk about for sale by owner, why you should do it, how to do it, how to value your property. One of the most critical steps uh, of the process is getting to the right price point to make sure you can get that thing sold. Everybody, for sale by owner, everybody wants to sell their house. Uh, And it's one of those things where it's a super valuable asset to most folks and most folks that uh, get a little bit older and they bought a few houses here and there the process is pretty simple you know you put a price on it and just uh, you know throw a sign in the yard that you get from Home Depot and have a few drive-bys and sell the house but we're going to drive this down a little deeper we're going to dig down on uh, how you're going to be able to really get a true value and really why you're going to come up with that value what does that value mean and and I talk a lot about the plan everybody and Tyler gets on to me all the time it's but uh, the, the important thing on my side certainly is what are you going to do with the money are you going to 1031 exchange it are you ready to pay the tax on it when you pull the equity out are you looking for a retirement what are you going to do with the money when you sell your house by owner but there's a lot of things to consider first before you stick that sign in the yard absolutely and we're going to, we'll start right off with as far as valuation goes about looking at all the different sources of comparables so that you can get comparable sales you know, the old adage goes, the home is only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. Yep. And, you it. know, we work with a lot of buyers and sellers. Leo and I are both licensed agents. If you've been listening thus far in our podcast, you, you know that for sure. And, you know, we realize that there's a lot of people out there that they don't see the value in hiring an agent. I can't necessarily disagree with that logic in some cases. A lot of people are perfectly positioned to sell the home themselves. I've done it both ways. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we are in a marketplace where... We represent buyers as well as sellers, like I said earlier. And, you know, if you put your house up on the market, we'd like the opportunity to bring a buyer to the table. Sure. And uh, getting it priced right to get it to sell is the first key point. Well, and there's so many different venues right now. When when I was growing up, when I was buying my first property, and, and Tyler and I kind of talked about this uh, just the other day, kind of laughing about it, the MLS, the Multiple Listing Service, was a book. It wasn't online. It was a big phone book, pink phone book looking thing, right? You remember that, right? Oh, I absolutely do. I used to carry that around for my mother. Oh, and that was a coveted, coveted thing because that was the pricing resource. When you had very few for sale by owners back then that that I ran across, and when you did, it was, um, boy, it was a treasure to to go talk to those people. But how do you... How do you go about pricing your house now? Where do you do the research? It's all over the internet. Well, yeah, most people start online, and that's the that's the most the simplest place to go. I mean, you can look at all the different websites: Zillow, Trulia, Realtor.com, Public Records, um, and really, what you're trying to get there is the sold data. And you know, it's unfortunate that we and we see as agents a lot of for sale by owners that underprice their home. They 
think they're you know doing themselves a favor and they ask their neighbors what should i sell my house for they're not working with appraisers and and they're kind of guessing swinging in the dark it, it is it's a little bit of guesswork and and sometimes they go in without a plan and and this is when i this is my hot button what are you going to use the money for? You know, then you got to start it from there and then build your pricing model around that with real data because a real estate agent is going to come in and they're going to look at the pricing first if it's a first sale by owner and they're going to say, where'd you get those numbers? Absolutely. And, you know, one of the mistakes people make is they, they price their house based on what other people are asking for the price of their homes that are still for sale. Big mistake. Yeah, big mistake. You got to look at the sold data, what people actually paid. And, you know, look at several examples. That gives you a good indicator of what's going on in the marketplace. And, you know, like for Zillow, for example, the Zillow has the Zestimate, which, and sometimes I see it really conservative, and, and other times I see it extremely favorable, and their, their algorithm is a trade secret. So I usually tell people, stay away from the Zestimate, but Zillow still has a wealth of information on their website, such as access to the public records and historical sale data. Just don't let the computer do the math. That's where they, that's exactly right. They look at that Zestimate and that Zillow, the com data, and it kind of does it for you, but I can't trust where that's coming from. I don't know how old that data is. I don't know if they're using true comparables. You have no idea. So that's one source to finding a truth. You won't find on the internet that I have found a single truth source where it's like, okay, this is my website. They're going to show me exactly what I need to know to sell my house. That's not going to happen that way. You're going to have to pull little bits of data from many different sources, Zillow, Trulia, Public Record, and all over the place. Public Record, I've got locked in on my bar. I, I, there are several public record, public record accounts that I will look at and really dive down into that. So it's really good for a for sale by owner person to really research into the public record because that's as, as much truth as you can get, I think. Well, absolutely. But, you know, going back to Zillow, where we started talking about Zillow, you know, looking looking past the Zestimate, focusing on that critical data that shows up, the historical data, what's actually taking place in the marketplace. And like you've heard probably Leo and I say in the past is do the math and the math will tell you what to do. And, it, and this could be no truer right here. Looking at that sold data on Zillow. Trulia is a little convoluted. It's a little more difficult for the sold data as far as the accuracy. I'm not a big believer in Trulia. Uh, Realtor.com, in some cases, will show you some pretty good data. But like Leo, you had said, there's there's really no substitution for the public records. I love it. You know, you go to the county where your home is located, Pinellas, Pasco, Hillsborough, whichever. Look up your – first thing you do is, is pull your address. Pull your own public records yep. and see what, because you know, or at least should know, what most of the data is telling you in that public record. And looking at the public records for the home that you're about to sell really helps you understand what's being shown to you. Imagine that as like a bullseye in the center of a dartboard. That is, your home is the center of it, and then all those, you know, the 20s, if you've ever played darts before, all of them lead to that center. So your house being the very, very first public record data that you pull, absolutely, that's uh, that's where I would start as well. Now, once every county, Hillsborough County, Pinellas, Pasco, all of their public record websites are a little bit different. Some of them you have to work a little harder to get the comparable sold data. I think the easiest one is Pasco County, at least for me, and then... Uh, Pinellas and Hillsboro, um, in that order, but looking at the recency, that is 
probably the most critical part of that data, not so much the price, but the recency. Yep. You know, don't look at sales that are six months old nope. or eight months old because our market currently right now, October 2015, our market's changing and it's going up and up and up. So if you're looking at comparable sales that happened six months ago, those are not accurate. When you're doing the comparable sales analysis, you the reason, part of the reason you want to look at recency is you want to make sure that you're accurate so that your results come close to what an appraiser would find because chances are whoever buys your house is going to go to the bank and get a loan to get the money to give you and they're going to the bank's going to require them to do an appraisal so you want to use accurate comparable sales yeah and at the very least they're going to come up with their own numbers anyway well yeah absolutely and like we said at the beginning it's only worth what someone's willing to pay but the other the other beauty of doing this little bit of homework when you're selling yourself is it provides you ammunition when a buyer comes in and says i'm only let's say you have your house in the market for 200,000 and they come in and say, well, it's not worth more than 150. Well, at least you have that historical data compiled right there to show them some ammunition to help you in the negotiating table. Exactly. And that's going to be super, super important because as you're building this out, we have to uh, make sure that you realize other people, agents or you know, regular folks, they're going to come in and they're going to pull the data to find out where they want to be. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm a big believer in using paying for an actual appraisal. Yes, uh, you know, I, being an agent, I'm. Although we're not licensed to do appraisals, we use some of the very same methods that appraisers use. We don't charge for those services, but you know, you can buy, you can hire an appraiser for three, four hundred dollars, that will provide an appraisal for you. Keep in mind, though, just because you have that number, you may not like that number. And, you know, you may choose whether or not to, you could provide that data. If you like the number, you could provide it to your buyers, and perhaps they could use it when they go get their loan. That's not always the case, though. Most of the banks these days want to send out their own appraisers to double-check the math, make sure everything's the way it's supposed to be, because they don't want to over-loan or overvalue a, a property. Yeah, and there are several different kinds of appraisals now. An FHA appraisal is going to come in differently with a, uh, an appraiser that is certified to run FHA appraisals. Now, what's going to happen, folks? We're going to take a little break right here. When Tyler and I come back, we're going to dive down a little deeper in the weeds. We're going to talk about appraisers and appraisals, what to do, and how to derive your price for selling your house by yourself. Stay tuned with the Cashflow Guys. Future Home Realty is a proud sponsor of the Cashflow Guys podcast. Our philosophy is to provide our agents with the best education in the industry, matched with an aggressive compensation plan that makes sense for you. Future Home agents make more because they keep more, a lot more. If you are a licensed agent and you're trapped by a compensation plan that is not in your favor, give us a call at 727-417-9696. That's 727 727- 417-9696. Today is the day to take control of your career and your checkbook. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Cash Flow Guys Podcast. I am Leo Young, your host, with my co-host, Tyler Chef. We left off talking a little bit about an appraiser, talking about you selling your house yourself, Fizbo, and uh, what you need to do to get the pricing right. And we're talking about appraisers and 
the different kinds of appraisers and what they're going to use and the, the data that's needed to derive that number. And Tyler, I know that you've worked with lots of appraisers, as have I, and there's a wealth of knowledge that the folks out there really, really need before they, they go down the road of uh, picking an appraiser. Oh, absolutely. That's a, that's a critical piece of the pie, the appraiser. You know, what, one of the biggest mistakes people meet is, make is they shop appraiser by price. And, you know, <laughs> you can spend 200 on an appraiser. You can spend four or 500 on an appraiser. But the fact of the matter is, you know, if you save 200 on an appraiser and they price it wrong, yep, that could cost you tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. One of the first things that I look at when I interview an appraiser is before I even start the process is I, I want to make sure that I get appraisers that have done appraisals in an area of where I'm selling the house. For example, don't call an appraisal firm out of Orlando to have them apply, appraise a place in St. Petersburg. The market is different. It's a completely different marketplace. Yeah, yeah. How long they've been uh, they've been working, and certainly in the area that you're appraising. Are you a beach property? Are you an inland property? A little bit different. Absolutely. What, what class? Is it kind of like a high-end property? Is it a low-end property? Is it a mobile home? Is it vacant land? You know, these are things that you got to make sure, and it's okay. You are hiring them to do a job, so be a pig, and by that I mean a professional information gatherer. Okay, let's let's make sure we clarify that one more time. You didn't call our listeners pigs. No, absolutely. Uh, be a professional information gatherer. P-I-G, professional absolutely. information gatherer. That is the critical key to success. Get out there and ask them questions. You are You are paying them to do a job, to get a good result that makes sense, that has right. value. You need to ask these questions to make sure that you're getting the right appraiser for your property. Now, let me, let me ask you this. I'm going to interrupt you a little bit. How many times, because I, I, I've done this several times myself, how many times have you seen an appraisal, gotten an appraisal from an appraiser that used the wrong comps? I, I couldn't even begin to count how many times that, yeah. Just because you bought it don't mean it's right. Exactly. Exactly. And I just had that happen recently up in Holiday on a, on a property where the FHA, little side, side note just for benefit, when, when a property has been recently rehabbed and it gets a government-backed loan, the new buyer goes and gets a government-backed loan, a lot of times the FHA or VA will require two appraisals from two separate appraisers. Yeah. And in this case, the, the, the house came in with the exact same comparables, both appraisers. One appraiser valued it $2,000 higher than the other. Mm-hmm. And FHA would not loan money on the house based on the higher appraisal. Right. One canceled out the other. So, and the difference was, is the lower one was, an, was and that's where I got this example from, was an Orlando appraiser. Mm-hmm. So we wound up having to dispute the appraisal uh, for the seller to get the 79000 one to, to kick in. And fortunately, we were successful in that. However, you know, it did mess things up quite a bit, so... You know, think about this. Well, and now, especially with the new rules coming in, if um, you can get a a closing pushback. Well, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Just, yeah. just by disputes on the just appraisal. Just by disputes on the appraisal, yeah. Now, you know, one of the things that people make mistakes in is when the appraiser comes by, make sure your house is in tip-top condition. Everything that you can take care of, take care of it. Yeah. If you're planning on painting before you sell... Make sure you have painted before you have the appraiser come over. Think of the appraiser like a buyer for your house. You want to show it in its best light. You want to show them the features and benefits of the house. If you've done repairs or improvements in the last, I'll even say five to ten years, things like the roof, the air conditioning, 
Give that information to the appraiser. Educate that appraiser on the things that you've done to the house to improve it. He or she can choose to factor those things into the value because, you know, appraisal is not an exact science. You know, it's it's an opinion of value. Correct. By a trained professional. It's it's very close to what real estate agents do with market analysis. It's Correct. just a, point, yeah. you know, a little bit more scientific. Yeah. Now, you know, you, like I said, you don't want to call them in there when the house is not looking at its best. Get them, get it ready to go, ready to sell, and then get that appraiser in there. Show them that, yes, I replaced the air conditioning system in 2010. Here's the receipts, what I paid for it. They can look at those receipts and they can depreciate those over time and add that additional value. Because if they're looking at other sold properties that are comparable to yours, they can add that additional value for these, those upgrades to your appraisal to make it higher. That's exactly right. And they'll, they'll look at public record. They'll go back and pull permits and things like that. And not everything needs to be permitted that you do on a house. Now, granted, most things... Uh, improvements, I should say, that you're going to do in the house, consider pulling a permit for whether you shop the work out or do the work yourself. And in an appraisal, a good appraiser is going to look at that permitting history on that home. But all that's going to show is an air conditioner was put in. Is it a name brand? Is it an off brand? Is it a 15 seer? Is it a 13 seer? Give them those receipts as well. A good appraiser will dive into that and really, you're, you're arming them with the most data you can possibly arm them with to get the best result out of that appraisal. Absolutely. You know, one of the common mistakes that I see with investors, like the, the, the fix and flippers, they don't keep the re- or they don't provide the receipts to the appraisers when they come by yeah. to look at the house. And it's like you just rebuilt this entire house. Show that value. Don't be shy. Yeah. You know, I spent fifty thousand dollars on the repairs, whatever it winds up being. Show them them, them that. Yeah. Absolutely. That helps justify the value when they're looking at two houses side by side, and they're trying to figure out how that the improvements value against you know compare against the other house down the street that sold that's also been improved. Yeah. The fact that those repairs are brand new has more value. It does. It's like so, putting a little puzzle together. Absolutely. Educate that appraiser. Now, a lot of people say, well, aren't they going to get offended because, well, they're professionals. They know what they're doing. And if I go bring them my own comparable sales and try to tell them what to do, and it's really, it's all in the delivery. You know, I've been in real estate for 15 years, and I, I, every time I talk to the appraisers, I'm like, you know, I always learn something new every time I talk to an appraiser. So I've pulled some comparable sales, and can you look at these? while we're here today, and tell me if I'm on track. There you go. And they look at those and go, you know, I skipped that one. I didn't see that one. And why do you think that's a comparable, Tyler? Well, here's why. Because it's in the same neighborhood. That it's three years within three years of construction. You know, it's two blocks away. I went and saw the house Yeah. while it was on the market. I've been inside of it. Here's some pictures I took of it that aren't in the MLS Right. to show them to add some value to my client's property, make it make the appraiser go higher. Yeah, everybody wants their job to be done as seamlessly as possible, the qu- quickest and easiest. How can you make their job simpler? Give them the information. Give them your research, your professional information gatherer, a pig. Get that pig information, make copies of it, and give it to that appraiser. Now, if the appraiser's fended, that's their problem. I might think about choosing another appraiser, but I'm just trying to make their job easier so I get highest and best out of them as a result. Well, listeners, also consider, you know, I'm sure some of you are sitting there thinking, why should I have to give that information to the appraiser? They should already have that information. That's what I'm paying him for. 
Well, let me explain to you this way. If you don't, if I told you, you did, that you didn't provide them that information, you failed to do it because you thought that, what if your appraiser came in, appraisal came in $5,000 less than it could have? Is it worth just giving them the information, re- reap the rewards of a higher appraisal? Whether or not they should have been able to figure that stuff out on their own doesn't really matter. What matters is, is it money in your pocket or money out of your pocket? Giving him the information is money in your pocket. Absolutely, and it's really you're doing the doing the work anyway. I mean, I mean, you're really you're doing the work anyway. Now we'll have listeners that'll just choose to hire an appraiser and let it go. Perfectly fine. I though am a big proponent in giving them the most information that I can, so I get the best result. Secondly, this is good practice for when it comes down to the negotiating table, and you are there. You're the for sale by owner. You're negotiating with the buyer of the house or the real estate agent. Having gone through these steps better prepares you to negotiate because to be able to preserve that value and make sure that money goes in your pocket instead of in the buyer's pocket and savings, you're going to need these skills to successfully negotiate the sale of your home. That's critical. So go through the extra motions with the appraiser if you choose to have one so you have that background and you can, you can effectively justify your sale, your, your sale price. Um, unbelievably good point on that one. What a great takeaway. You're familiar with the process. You're familiar with the area comparables. You're familiar with that so that you can go into the negotiation process and be informed. The worst thing you can do is start trying to negotiate and not have all the data. Now, folks, we're going to take a short break right now for one of our, one of our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk about how you can put all of this together, comping it out, getting the appraisal set to go to get you some pricing and what you need to know about pricing that most people selling their house by themselves don't realize. So stay tuned. We're the Cashflow Guys. Located in Tampa, Florida, Insured Title Agency, ITA, is an independent title agency providing full title and closing services in 47 states. When choosing a title company, be sure they're underwritten by a solid title insurance company. The policy that insures your home ownership is an important one, so consider the source. ITA is underwritten by two of the largest and most sought after underwriters, Stewart Title and Commonwealth Land Title. ITA has been underwritten by both of these companies since our inception in 2006. Every client who chooses ITA does so because of our excellent service, rather than because they were steered in our direction because of an ownership interest or some other shady agreement. We're absolutely confident that our clients see the difference every time they work with us. When you're ready to close your next real estate transaction, give Insured Title a call at 813-855- 3585. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, cash flow guys, Tyler Sheff and Leo Young. We were talking about uh, for sale by owner and some basically how a for sale by owner customer needs to comp out their properties and uh, then talk about appraisals and how appraisers work. And now we're going to kind of tie that up in a neat little bow. That is going to get you to pricing. We find, and Tyler, I, I know you're going to agree with me on this one, when we talk to people that are tired of doing the for sale by owner thing or think about they're going to do the for sale by owner thing, the first thing they do is throw pricing up there and my home is worth this and this is what I want out of it. And 9.9 times out of 10, they're wrong. Well, that's absolutely correct. You know, pricing pricing is one of those, it's, it's a touchy topic. You know, it's it's... 
in most cases, if it's a home that you live in, it's your largest asset. If it's, you call it an asset, uh, we don't believe that your home you live in is an asset. It's a liability because it takes money out of your pocket. But I don't want to digress on that whole subject right now. But it's the biggest thing that you own, usually up to date. And, you know, not pricing it properly from the get-go, whether you go too high or too low, can have a huge impact on your success rate. Oh, uh, unbelievably. And, and it, tell me I'm wrong. It's emotional. It is. And, you know, it's this that drives us both crazy is being agents, successful agents out here in the Tampa Bay marketplace. It surprises me how often realtors overprice the house. They let, you know, the seller, they blame the seller. But realistically, you know, whatever price you listed at, you're responsible for as an agent. I mean, you have to be able to justify that price and they're not able to do that. No. You know, they're not doing the homework to really get it priced right so that they meet the needs of the seller. Right. And, And it's about math. It's not money. It's absolutely it, about math. It's absolutely about math. If you've done the comps right, if you've done and talked to an appraiser, and you, you've got some accuracy in your professional information gathering uh, hat that you're wearing, your pig hat, then you're going to derive a price. Now, that is what it is. You're going you're gonna to get in a ballpark, a rangy price, and it's an is-what-it-is thing. It shouldn't hurt your feelings. And if it's something that hurts your feelings, maybe you need to be, think about selling at a different time or, or think about why you're selling or what your plan is to sell. You've got, it's going to come up with some, just some tangible data. That's all this is when you get to the pricing model. It is the data that you are driving from your research that's going to pull a number. Absolutely. You know, I, there's there's several different schools of thought on, on the pricing model. And even Leo and I, being partners, we have two different strategies that we employ. Uh, Leo favors one strategy, and I tend to favor the other. And it really depends on the home, where, where it's located, the neighborhood, the situation, what condition it's in, things like that. But, you know, Leo's a big fan of the highest and best. And you talk about that for a minute, Leo, and the benefits of that. Yeah, if, if you're going to be a FISBO person, if you're going to be a for-sale-by-owner person – Typically, what what we find is, or what I've found is, that is kind of, they want the path of least resistance. Here's my number. You want to pay it, fine. If you don't want to pay it, walk away. I'm going to sell it to somebody else. Now, it depends a little bit on their plan, what they want out of it, what their timeline is. Some for sale by owners, they don't have to sell. They can sit on that property for 10 years until they get the number they want. Some for sale by owners have to come in and they have a timeline. They're moving. Uh, they're retiring. The kids need it. The, the money is tight. Whatever it may be. For me, after a, when folks talk to me about selling their house by themselves, what I typically say is if you're going to sell it by yourself, you're going to put your research in and your walkaway price, highest and best, and then you can negotiate down a little bit. Give some room to come down. If you have buyers and you like them and they're coming in and they've done their research they may not give you that highest and best offer. Build in some workroom with them. Be able to negotiate. And remember, negotiation, folks, is not having the biggest hammer. It's problem solving. They're bringing money to you. You're bringing them a home. you got to make A and B match. So be ready to negotiate those closing costs down a little bit when you're coming in on a highest and best. At least that's what I like to see, having room to wiggle. Um, and it works out most of the time. Now, conversely, you know, I have a little different opinion on that. I feel that, it, you know, when I'm selling a home for, some, for one of my clients, it's my job to get as many buying, as many buyers in the front door as possible. And if I set the price too high from the get-go, 
I'm going to sh- keep a lot of buyers out. And it's that, that critical starting point. And agents, they search by, well, agents and buyers generally both search by price point. Yeah. Not because of necessarily always what they want to pay. It's what they're able to pay based on what their loan approval is. And this happens more with people that aren't represented, buyers that are not represented by an agent or agents that are not very skilled in negotiating. They're afraid to make offers too far below the asking price. That happens. Because they're embarrassed. They're, yep. they're non-confrontational. They don't like to, they're not good at negotiating, which kind of makes me wonder why they're selling real estate in the first place. But that's a whole other subject for another podcast. Yeah, you hear it all the time. You, you, the, the owner get insulted. You know, the first time, you know, buyers, if you're out there and your agent tells you that, gives you the spiel about, well, in, in the Tampa Bay area, most most buyers pay between right around 97% of list price. If you ever hear those words, run screaming the other direction. That's that's not accurate. Yeah. that's. I mean, not... the stats are accurate, but don't be most buyers. You need to find a deal in a property that works for you. And, you know, that just goes to show you great deals are not found. Great deals are built. They're made. They're right on the money right there. Absolutely. My structure that I prefer in a market like we have today where buyers are, the inventory is low. And this usually only works well in in inventory situations where we have a, a lack of inventory. When we're in a seller's market is I will price them a little below market value. I do that on purpose because it gets a lot of people in the door. Now, with that structure, timing is critical. We spend that, we, when we arrive at the price that we're going to start asking, what's important is your asking price is not the price that you are obligated to sell it at. You can make your asking price $1. doesn't mean you're required to sell it for $1 unless you sign a contract for that price. You can ask whatever you want for the house. Correct. It's what you accept in a written contract is what really makes sense. So... What I will do is price it a little bit below market value. That gets a lot of people looking at it, a lot of people in the front door. That also usually brings multiple offers. When people have fear of loss and they're in a multiple offer situation, what ensues is a bidding war. And that's how sometimes, you know, in a lot of cases, I've had prices, properties go 10 15% above, or in, well, actually a couple of weeks ago, 30% over list because people were excited. It was a nice house. Everybody wanted to own it. When we priced it low, we got a lot of people rush the home and take a look at it, and everybody wants to write an offer. Well, everybody came in at list price, and then a few people came in over list price. And then when we're talking to them on the phone, and that's one of the, that's the benefit of working with us is that we know how to negotiate. We get them up, and when they say we're thinking about writing an offer, well, you need to quit thinking and start writing because you're going to lose this opportunity. <laughs> yeah, Here's right. the opportunity you have to get the great house that you want, Mr. Buyer. Or Mr. Buyer's agent or Mrs. Buyer's agent, you know, the, the, the realtors we have to do this to actually more than the buyers, is, you know, you need to run an offer and come in strong and forget about the asking price. Look at the comparable sales. We actually go so far as to market the property with the comparable sales data included. One, because people are generally lazy. They're not going to go look it up themselves. They just get a feeling they're going to knock ten grand off to see if they can get it. Providing that a little extra bit of information educates the buyer and we, it's, history has proven to us by doing that it results in a much higher initial offer. And that's why we sell properties routinely over asking price, well over asking price. That's how we do it. 
A lot of that has to do with the research that we put in that's um, a little deeper, a little stronger. And then, of course, you know, it, it does. It gets into a little bit of a bidding war kind of thing, and the price gets driven up. And, Tyler, you're 100% right from the market research we have now. We've only got about 28 days worth of inventory in the market as we sit. And uh, there's a commodity of properties, or I'm sorry, a, you know, a lack of them. So, you know, the buyers have to come in there and go strong and go right to the door. I like it a little bit of the highest and best. Come in at the top and work your way down so you get some negotiating room to kick closing ta- costs to give to the uh, to the purchasers, to the buyers coming in to expedite it. Tyler likes to come in low and create a little bit of an environment, some excitement, and start driving that price and let it land where it may be. Absolutely. Create that buzz. Right. Either one is right. But it just depends on your situation as a for sale by owner type of person is how you're going to price it from your data. Either put it in the highest and best and work down, or you can put it in low, create that buzz, create that auction style environment, and let it work up. But again, it depends on the plan that you've got going in. Absolutely. And this pretty much brings us to the end of this episode. We're gonna, This is the first part of a two-part episode on For Sale by Owner. Probably later in other episodes, we're going to cover other topics within this. But on the next episode, we're going to talk more about marketing your property, how to get it out there to the buyers, how to attract buyers to your home, how to get multiple offers on that property and be successful selling it by yourself. The biggest thing the FISBO people miss is how to market your proper uh, your, your um, proper. Proper. I can't talk at all today. No, Your property, property <laughs> properly, and that's a big, big deal. So, folks, we're the Cash Flow Guys. If you want more information about this, you can go to our website, cashflowguys.com. Stay tuned for episode number two on For Sale by Owners. Mm-hmm.